Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Neo Marais Show. My name is Thomas Daan. I'm the creator of Neo Marais, an online platform showing the best design conference and events from a digitalized world. In this podcast, I talk with event organizers, speakers and other creatives to find out what makes them tick. And today I'm recording from home. And this is um, take six. <laughs> and um, we, switched, uh, we switched software because legacy software um, didn't make it. So I have the pleasure to talk with um, Carice Roda. She's an uh, organizer of the annual conference WebConf Asia and she's part of the SmashingConf team. And Carice is based in uh, Hong Kong. Carice, welcome to the show. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Um, yeah, uh, everything's pretty good here in Hong Kong. Um, okay. It's, yeah, like stuff is kind of quiet. I've been really busy. And uh, yeah, no, it's good. I'm just really excited to be in this podcast. Yeah, so so am I, and then we are, we are now, we switch software, so let's see. This. <laughs> and maybe we have to switch again, who knows, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> so let's see how this goes. Let's first do the COVID um, uh, update, so you are based in Hong Kong, <laughs> yeah. as as you said, everything is relaxed. Um, yeah, sort of. It's sort of relaxed, and um, um, yeah, so, but are there still protests? Um, no. So, well, like just a little bit. So okay. like to give like a bit of like background information also people who are like, uh, uh watching, um, the protest started in, I guess, June last year. Um, and well, like, I'm, uh, like kind of like the whole TLDR of the protest is it's like China wants more influence in Hong Kong and Hong Kong doesn't want that. Um, mm. and so we've had protests for many months. And when you're living in Hong Kong, then quite often complete streets are blocked. People are protesting everywhere. MTRs are closer every now and then. I guess also like the whole situation of Hong Kong slowly losing to China is just something that I guess just made the entire city pretty sad. So that's mm. something we've been dealing with kind of until Chinese New Year, because then the whole virus started. Um, mm. So we kind of went straight from the whole protest situation into the whole virus situation. And so that's also been going on since like half Jan, late Jan, I guess. And then like all the virus stuff started well, so much earlier in Hong Kong and also in China, of course, uh, than the rest of the world. So we've been dealing with that for the past couple of months. It hasn't been that strict yet. Like there's no real lockdowns. So so right now I'm still in my co-working space. Um, bars are closing today. Restaurants are still open. The whole situation, like, well, it's not. It's definitely not normal life, but it's not that disrupted as, for example, in Europe or in the US. So yeah, right. In a way, it's also lucky that they are still have this buffer and that they can just close the borders if they want so yeah yeah and well also right now like the border to china is mostly closed everyone who's coming in right now is being tested and has to do like a 14-day quarantine so it's pretty strict right now so i think that's also one of the reasons why the whole i think we're still below a thousand cases so that's still pretty good so it kind of feels under control here that's Nice, because we are on lockdown like for three weeks now. So. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty tough. Yeah, that's quite different. Yeah. Also, it's also in, in the beginning it was kind of weird because wherever like in February, the rest of the world was still doing fine. And life in Hong Kong was so much restricted. 
that was also like yeah. a bit of a weird situation. Almost right now, it feels like the other way around. Right. Yeah. yeah. You moved to Hong Kong how long ago? Around five years ago. Okay. So yeah. and what made you move? Well, me and my husband, we just really fell in love with the city. Um, life in the Netherlands was really good. Um, I was freelancing, having a good time, but then also in a way... I know, I guess we just both felt like doing something new and we deeply fell in love with uh, Hong Kong as a city. And then we decided, well, if we like it that much, why are we not moving? So yeah, we kind of packed our stuff and brought our cat and we moved and we started a new life here. Okay, great. Yeah. And so far it's going perfect. Yeah, or... yeah, yeah, yeah. Still really enjoying it. Uh, it's spring Okay, here. great. I work a lot on Hong Kong projects. Um, currently, I also work on a project with a, a professor at a university oh, there. Nice. So it's nice, yeah. Sweet. So, but to come back to your um, conference um, uh, experience, so you worked in Holland as a front-end developer, yeah. and how did you get, get involved in organizing events? Yeah, I attended uh, the Frontiers Conference in Amsterdam, which is one of like the biggest front-end conferences. Um, I really had no idea what to expect. I thought, let's just buy a ticket and just go, and I really enjoyed it. I really liked the whole social aspect, and also really just meeting people who are doing this kind of like the same work as you do. Um, mm. and I just had a really good time. And then they asked me if I wanted to join their team. Um, the front is like a nonprofit organization who does stuff for front end developers in the Netherlands. Um, and then the conference is one of the things, and it's like a yearly conference for around 500 people run by volunteers. And they asked me if I wanted to join the team. So that's what I did. Okay, cool. And uh, you did that for a couple of years. Yeah. And did you switch roles then? or? Um, yeah, so it's I kind of did like a bit of everything. Um, so I did catering and I did speakers. Um, I helped doing like the visual stuff. So I kind of, I did every, every kind of different aspect. I did that at least once. Mm-hmm. That's also something I wanted. And I also just wanted to have like the experience to just be able to just run it all. Right. You moved to Hong Kong yeah. and then you thought, okay, there's nothing to do here. Let's organize that <laughs> event. Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, also like Hong Kong is kind of like different in a way. Like budgets are also like a lot smaller. So I guess, well, I I knew I wanted, I wanted to do something in Hong Kong, but also I had to find like a way how to make that possible on a smaller mm-hmm. budget. Also, when you're just really starting out from scratch. Um, and then when I talked to the people from from the front, they did that in Italy. Um, and when they also kind of said like, okay, we also started with like a small budget and started just building it out. I was like, okay, if they can do it, I should be able to do it as well. Uh, and that's kind of how mm-hmm. I just started it all. And I already had my network from Frontier. So that the way I was able to get like a couple of like nice speakers and kind of get like, and get my name out there. And that's kind of how it started. Yeah. The last edition was postponed because of yeah. um, all the uh, protests. Yeah. And now you are, are planning to organize a webconf in uh, August. Yeah. And how, how is that looking? I have no idea. Um, um, I just, I haven't, well, because people ask me, like, what's your plan? And right now, mm-hmm. I just really don't know. Um, mm-hmm. look, well, the interesting thing is, if the world is looking like wonderful in June, it also means that you also still have to sell enough tickets. 
And you also mm. have to make sure that like Hong Kong might be fine in June, but also the, the US yeah. also needs to be fine. And so does Europe because I'm just, oh, I also have like a few people like, uh, like speakers, first of all, traveling in from mm -hmm. US and Europe, but also attendees mm. traveling in from um, other places. And so that means it's not just like, hey, Hong Kong needs to be fine. We can run it again. It's really dependent on like a lot of things. And also one of them is just like ticket sales. Um, so mm -hmm. right now I'm just basically waiting. I have already postponed it once. So just postponing it another time. It's not that hard. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I just really don't know right now. Okay. So you postponed it um, last time in June. And what did you learn from postponing? Why didn't you choose to cancel, yeah. for example? Uh, Can you yeah. Well, the reason, like, first of all, like the whole, I wasn't doubt anyway, um, because I think I had like six weeks left. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? And also at some point, like mm. ticket sales really just like, I stopped selling. And one, one of the reasons uh, why that happened was because at some point the airport was blocked. And that means that people who mm -hmm. were uh, supposed to fly in from abroad, they could not, they could not come. Uh, and so that kind of made like ticket sales stop. So like, okay, what am I going to do? But then also like, well, I already paid my venue in their terms. Like, Hey, if you whatever cancel, postpone, you kind of lose your money. Like, okay. So it's a very tricky thing to cancel or to postpone. And then at some point they were closed, my main venue. If they're closed, I can't run it. And I'm like, okay, this is probably like the right hook, the right thing to tell them like, Hey, your venue is closed. I can't run it. Can I postpone it? Mm -hmm. And so that that mm -hmm. that was that was the reason, together with not selling tickets, to decide mm -hmm. um, I'm going to postpone. Uh, and once they kind of said like it's probably possible, I really cancel it or like I really postpone it within a day. Um, and the reason why I didn't didn't want to cancel it because if you cancel a conference, that means you probably will lose your deposit. Because in general, like right. when something like whatever, like a virus or a protest or like something like with a big impact happens, your venue, they don't want to lose you. <clears throat> so they're in general very happy to postpone uh, for kind of like free mm. because they want to keep you anyway. But like, well, if you just decide to cancel, it's a whole different story because they're losing business as well. So I was, I was yeah. able just to push everything forward. Um, also, I had like a couple of flight books, uh, uh, flights booked. So also that way you just postpone them to a different day. And of course, well, like for example, uh, British Airways should pay around 160 pounds um, to reschedule mm -hmm. a flight. Well, and if you cancel it, you're quite likely to lose the money. And then right, second, right. if you decide to cancel it, everybody wants a refund. So it's kind of like biting you mm -hmm. in two ways because first of all, you have, you're losing the money of your fame. And then second, you have to refund everybody. And when you postpone it, you kind right. of just, you're just taking more time for everything. So it's all very much like a cash, right. cash flow problem. Right. Okay. So <clears throat> you would say always postpone and don't cancel because you, you lose too much. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, Basically. unless you haven't sold any tickets and have, for example, just paid like a small deposit, I guess, then everything <clears> looks <throat> a bit different. That's also what you see now. Some events that, that are planned for September or even later, they didn't announce their event yeah. yet, but they already announced that it won't happen. Yeah. Yeah. So they just skip one year, so they don't have the hustle yeah. of, of all yeah. things, but they just wait yeah. out. Well, yeah. well, I think also in general, it's a good idea if if you postpone to already throw out like a new date, 
because that way people can check mm-hmm. like, okay, this is the new date. I'll be available then. So I'm going to keep my ticket because if you're kind of telling people like, right. Hey, I don't have like a new date. People might after all think like, Hey, oh, then I just want the refund. And that's like the least thing you want people to do to ask for a refund because you want to keep them. Right. What I see is that a lot of organizers, they just postpone it because nobody knows what's yeah. going to happen. And some some events that um, should happen in April, they um, reschedule to yeah. September. But events in September are rescheduling till yeah. next year. So it's really strange, this situation that is going on right now that everybody's postponing yeah. to another date. But yeah. There is no end no. dates. Nobody knows how it goes. So it's yeah, you you just don't know, and that's really weird. Yeah, you start working yeah. with, uh, for uh, for Smashing.com, yeah. which is a mainly Europe yeah. US conferences on 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 yeah. stuff. And can you tell how you got involved in working with them? And are you last night you just finished an online uh, workshop? And can you tell a little bit about? how the process went from going offline to yeah. online and your, what your experience. Yeah, well, of course, I knew like Smashing Magazine for a long time. I also knew Vitaly for a long time because he was also, yeah, I guess he kind of attended like every Frontiers conference. And when I started running WebConf, he really wanted to come to Hong Kong. Uh, so he was also one of the speakers at my first WebConf. Uh, and then at some point he invited mm-hmm. me to the conference in Barcelona. I think that was three years ago or so. And I just... I thought that conference was just amazing. Like, uh, I guess, first of all, I really like the topics of what um, Smashing Conf does. So it's very much like design UX um, to kind of front-end development. That's just exactly the stuff I like. And then also, I just really like the friendliness mm. of the conference, um, all the kind of like crazy ideas. And so after Barcelona, I slowly got involved. Um, and I started first doing like social media. And now I'm also doing like a lot more planning. I'm taking care of the website, social media. Um, Uh, speaker stuff like that so I kind of slowly just started doing that and also I just really wanted to be part of the team um so that was really cool and it's also like like webconf webconf is like a non-profit and webconf is just really like my conference where smashing conf it's run for profit uh we're like a team of like four or five people um who run four conferences Mm -hmm. a year so we have one in Germany and then right now we have three in the in the U.S. So in a way, they're also quite different. And yeah, it's well, it's like a company and we're running conferences for profit. And um, well, and then the whole virus stuff kind of happened. Uh, and Fitly mm. is, is always kind of like full of like crazy ideas. So like, okay, we got to do online workshops. So we started, started planning that like a couple of weeks ago. And then we uh, started selling tickets uh, and then tickets started to sell, which was super nice i guess that's also like the benefit when you have like a platform like smashing magazine you throw something out there people trust you people believe in what you do um and so we ran yesterday or kind of like last night hong kong time um we ran our first day of an online workshop and online workshop at smashing right now for example the one fitly is running right now it's spread over five days it's around two three hours per day um and people um work together on exercises online uh, and it's also like a part of just a kind of like lecturing it's pretty much like a normal workshop but then it's on the internet right at least how yeah yeah that's also what i expected yeah. how do you um solve it yeah technically? um 
they have to do. Yeah, like, uh, we use Zoom, um, which is Zoom, if I guess right now in the news kind of every day, most of the time negatively. Mm -hmm. So we want to step away from Zoom, but also, well, we started playing this like a couple of weeks. There are not that many alternatives yet. So we decided to do it on Zoom. Mm -hmm. Well, and the good thing, at least with Zoom, like performance wise, they're really good. So that's very nice. Um, and then second, you can also make mm. breakout rooms. So we had, we used Miro, um, which is a collaborative UX tool kind of, like where you can design a wireframe. It's kind of like Figma, but then it's a bit, I guess, like a, like a, like a, like an easier learning curve, I think. So we used okay. Miro on the side. We used Slack also for communication and we used Zoom. And then in Zoom, you can make breakout rooms. Mm -hmm. So you can boom, like you push one button and boom, everybody's in the breakout room. And then you have groups. And that's very much how right. you run workshops offline as well. Um, and it's, mm -hmm. in, I, I was, it's got like a lot of parallels really, which is running it offline. Like, you, like patterns are very much the same and also how people work together. Of course, like it's a bit harder in, in the beginning because, um, yeah, you're working with like a tool you don't know yet instead of just pen and paper, for example, when you do sketching. Um, but also you very mm -hmm. much see like the same kind of patterns. I was also kind of like a bit nervous in the same way I'm nervous for like a workshop, but also how you get feedback from people. Like it's in a chat. It's different than people just talk to you. But in a, it very much felt kind of like in the same way. And I was really surprised by that, right. like in like a really good way. It felt quite real. That's interesting. The technology is so good at the moment that um, you can have yeah, real yeah. Experience. Well, and of course, in a way, you're still kind of struggling. And when you're setting up your different screens, because we have we have like a Google Docs document to kind of keep track of everything, and then we have a separate Google Docs mm -hmm. document where uh, people work on collaborative notes, which is really cool. Um, mm -hmm. Then you also have a chat from Zoom. You have a screen from Zoom. You have other people also in a separate. So you have a, yeah, yeah, it's, that's quite different. So you really have to get used to that. And then you, oh, and then you also have Miro, your wireframing tool. So there's a lot of stuff going on on your screen. And that does make it, yeah, that makes My it like, right. that makes it like a bit more difficult. And Fitly, um, he always used like dot folding. So, well, when you do that in like an offline world, you just have dots and you just put them on designs. So we, did that on mm -hmm. in Slack because well you can with your emojis you can fold as well um and in general mm -hmm. it does take people a little bit longer to get used to that and I guess you have to be even more clear about the process and what's the next step gonna be because people get lost a lot easier um but in general you can take everything from offline to online which is which is cool yeah, it sounds that you should be super yeah. focused when you are in a physical space and still there is yeah. there are other yeah. things going on. And now this really sounds like, okay, you have to really yeah. focus on the workshop because otherwise you miss stuff. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. It's it's so. it's hard work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I can imagine like for organizers as well because you need a lot of, you need at least uh, four or five people to handle all the stuff and then, uh, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. I guess it's it's also like a lot harder to like pinpoint technical problems because usually in a workshop you walk around, mm -hmm. you can see what's going on. But also right now, uh, Fidley was the only admin, so he was also the only one who could jump into the different rooms. 
So we're going to see if we can improve right. that. And then um, if Amanda, my colleague, and me, we're just going to um, jump around in the different rooms as well, because that's kind of what you need, because people mm-hmm. get lost a lot more. You can't just ask the group next to you, like, hey, how... Uh, we're whatever like we have this problem or we can't find a url that's not stuff you can do so that's that's like a bit harder i think if you want to take events from from offline to online i think you very much have to think how does it work offline and how can we how can we translate it to like an online thing like also when you have like a registration for example but also um at least when you talk about a conference uh like you probably want to put your sponsor somewhere um, well, like for Smashing, we have like a member stand, so we also want to want to want to give that some space. So it's very much seeing what do you have mm-hmm. offline, and who can, you, and how can you make that to online, and if possible, add things to make it better. Because hey, technology is cool, so you should use that. Are you researching um, yeah. options for that? Tito, they're working on like a new online conference platform, but I guess they just started like a couple of weeks ago. But the stuff I've seen, I thought that was pretty solid. And well, first of all, like the Tito people, they're lovely and they really get events. Um, but they also just started building something. So I, I have very high hopes for that. Uh, I guess if I'm correct, for example, they don't have breakout rooms right now. Also, like the stuff you can do with your sponsors, they're quite limited still. So I'm really curious mm-hmm. how they'll be building that platform. Uh, so that's something really interesting um, I guess what's also interesting is Hopin. I guess that's right now the best stuff out there. Well, the stuff that's there is already pretty good, but I I don't know how for how long they've been building on that. But it's also it's still like pretty fresh. Um, but that's that's something we're looking at right now, and it seems like like a lot of stuff they do is something we need at some point. Um, so yeah, th- those are kind of mm-hmm. like the two things I'm most excited about. Well, and then there's stuff like whatever, like a Google Hangouts. Um, or like a Twitch or so, but I don't think that's really made for running a conference. That's more, yeah, that's more for broadcasting something. Yeah, I think Hopin is uh, quite interesting, especially yeah. with uh, all the sponsor space and then you can hop in the chat and everything is like yeah. in one screen yeah. and that's really Yeah, Yeah, and really I guess they're doing the best job right now of getting that offline experience to online because you can fire up YouTube and you can watch talks, right? So if you're running a conference, you do have to offer something right. extra. And you also do have the social aspect. And I and I guess also with people just sitting at home right now, people are willing to try it. Because I think if you would have done this whole thing like mm-hmm. three or whatever, like six months ago, people were like, meh. And right now, at least people are willing to pay for it, yeah. which I think is really exciting. And second, also people are really just willing to try it and willing to make it like people right. want this to work. And I think like the whole virus situation just mm. sucks, but I guess stuff like this makes it really interesting. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I, I have a question about yeah. the, the the money thing because I see that a lot of events go free, like they cancel their offline event and then they go online, but they do it for free. And mm. like, what's your take on that? Um, should you do that? Or like, for example, you have you have the the quarantine uh, yeah. book club by Mike Munter for Mule, and they asked five dollars, I think, and then yeah. for one hour conversation with the whole bunch of people. But I, yeah, I see a lot of organizers choosing the free option, which I I understand yeah. to get lots of people, but also yeah. it costs a lot of money oh, to go online as well. Uh, a lot of money, a lot of time. Well, I guess it also, I don't make, does that have to do also with the fact whether they're 
their conference is like profit or non-profit maybe like i can imagine if you're running conference for profit you can't run a conference for free i guess um mm-hmm. i don't i don't know i guess do i have i don't know if i have like a really clear opinion about that i guess to make it sustainable for everybody conferences should cost something um and i guess also people are willing to pay for mm-hmm. that not as much as like a physical conference but that's also because like well it's also you don't have to fly in people um you don't have to book a venue so your costs are also mm-hmm. like a lot lower so i guess it's just it's fair to just ask a certain price uh, but i think it's also really fair that that price is a lot lower than when you would actually just run the offline event that's true yeah i really see um, price ranges from mm-hmm. five euro to 35 euro and then go up to yeah. like 650 yeah. yeah so and it's interesting to see that uh, this yeah. bandwidth of uh, prices and offers and yeah that's but i'm also really impressed about all the people that are just in the turning in two weeks time yeah offline event to i know but that's i find like, that whoa. just so impressive like there's there's so much stuff going on and yeah. i guess organizers are just so eager to try new things that's i'm i don't know i just that's that i find that really exciting right while we were discussing this um uh, recording you also mentioned um oh. let's talk about digital swag and I, that was something that i really really didn't think about but can you give examples about what digital swag was and how you can bring that yeah to the, uh, um offline world well i think also like non-digital swag can be nice i guess i saw like the perf matters conference like the uh, US one, I guess, because they were they were supposed to run an offline event, but then, well, they were kind of, their conference was really like in the middle when it all started. And I guess they just send out still goodie bags to people. And I guess that's in a way that's quite nice. But also with swag, you don't want to send out too much crap around the world. And I guess like a digital goodie bag could, for example, be mm-hmm. whatever, like a PDF, like uh, Fiddly's got like a lot of PDF checklists. So that's just something to just whatever, for example, how you build like a navigation or so, like have people make uh, kind of like PDF stuff that people can read or like EPUBs, like a little book that people can read. Um, Also, we've been thinking about if we're going to do like a pre-party that maybe people can, and if they're going to join with video, that's something people can print and color and whatever, hold in their hands. Uh, That's more kind of like the party, kind of like the crazy kind of thing. Right. yeah, I think it's kind of cool just to give people like a little present, but then like in like a digital way. Um, yeah. Right. If companies are sponsoring, then they can also do like yeah, sponsor, yeah. And they can also yeah. give yes. discounts and stuff like that. So that yeah, yeah. Basically, you yeah, have a I lot guess of it's options. also very much, very much like, like a like an offline goodie bag. Oh. You just you just kind of digitalize it. Now I'm thinking about how would this look like? Yeah, yeah. So have a package and stuff like that. How would this space look like and yeah. how do you can collect it? Or yeah, well, like, it or we've, like yeah, we've also kind of been thinking or maybe or kind of like get, have like a digital kind of like dashboard, which looks like crazy because you just don't right. want to have like one, like whatever, like basic HTML page. You kind of want to make it kind of like looking crazy. Like, hey, this is where everything happens. This is where you can download your goodies. Uh, kind of like a reception area. Uh, where you usually mm. where where you where you walk in and you get your bag right. and you get um, your book and then you talk to your sponsors like something like that but then just make it online and make it look fun so every now and then kind of like think about all the kind of crazy things you can do but also like in terms of like an after like a pre party or an after party like you can just open a chat but 
people are not just going to chat together. So uh, what if like a pub quiz or you just do something together? Like also like there's so many like cool um, uh, games online. So you can also have people competing in those games, for example, or just have some people, whatever, like open their camera and ask them to do certain things. Like, I guess that's, that's the way how you make it interesting for people and kind of like have kind of like get that kind of party kind of feel because mm-hmm. well, you can't just, just opening a chat won't do it. You have to kind of entertain people and get them get them connected somehow. How do you deal with the network effect? Like when you go yeah. when you go to an offline party or to a conference, there's always there are always these moments yeah. that you are like yeah. tra- uh, passing to another room or bump into somebody. How do you deal? Well, with we that? don't know yet. Do really, I guess that's that? just um, having this whole kind of like whole hallway thing that usually happens at conference. I think that's just something you really have to design. So indeed, like make certain breakout rooms and give them different themes, for mm-hmm. example. And then when you get into one of those rooms, there's like a moderator who can um who can for example just get like a right. conversation going or maybe have like different polls running um i think but but i do think that's something you heavily need to design because like usually when you have like a hallway people kind of chat together right like it's a lot easier um so i think when you do that online you have to design it a lot mm-hmm. more to make it good but i don't i don't know what's the best way yeah i guess yeah. like something well like a platform like for example hopping um is pretty good in making something like that happen um but that's just something mm-hmm. i don't know i haven't really figured out yet so what do you like expect that's gonna happen in this i kind of uh, i kind of conference world um do you- yeah i oh man it's difficult i guess for like well like first of all like in general like the first couple of months people will be stuck at home so i guess people are just really happy to buy into like an online conference experience So I kind of hope that somehow that will set like a new bar and get people really excited. And hopefully when they are sitting at home, they'll be more connected and do feel kind of like they did kind of attend like a conference. Um, And Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going to happen when the world starts moving again. I kind of hope that some chunks of this will stay Mm -hmm. online. Like what if, for example, you start running an, offline conference but maybe also run like a part of it online i don't know i haven't really thought about that yeah i was yeah. thinking about that also that you have this hybrid form but it would probably be very difficult because when people are maybe you can do that for workshops or something that you did uh, yeah who knows early morning yeah but maybe also just like just still have something maybe indeed just do a live stream and maybe have something mm. like a chat or something running on the side i don't know i kind of hope at least it somehow will enhance yeah. the offline experience and maybe for people who are indeed sitting at home or are like at the other side of the world or don't right. have the money to get like a full conference ticket i don't know uh, there was one really cool thing that we uh, tested before we jumped on this uh, oh. anchor app and it was you downloaded yeah. this app from from snapchat can you yeah uh, I'll, I'll, can you tell uh, about that i don't know I, so I don't even know where i picked it up it's called snap camera uh, it's from snapchat i also must say i haven't looked into their whole privacy i wasn't called out on twitter because of it so maybe it's not that bad after all but i can i, I don't know how good snapchat is with all their privacy and their ethics um so I can't guarantee you anything on that, but uh, Snap Camera is an app you download um, on your laptop. Um, and what you can do is you can use your Snapchat filters um, in your video calls. 
And what you kind of do is you pick up the video signal and you kind of port it through Snapchat. And then you can, in, for example, a Skype, you can select it. It's like, hey, I want my Snap camera to, um, uh, to kind of like give me, give me all the filters. And in a way, you can just, so when you're just talking to somebody, you can just add whatever. Like you add, can add balloons and you can add like bunny ears and all like the crazy stuff. Um, and I think that's just really funny and it works pretty well. So I think, for example, when you're doing like, like an after party on a conference, this is really fun stuff you can play with. So most important is to try everything out, be funny, uh, create yeah. a lot of fun and just... <laughs> yeah, I guess just like events in general, it's already hard to get paid. Um, this whole situation doesn't make it much easier to get paid, I guess. Especially when, yeah. when your country, when your place or your family's been really ha- uh, hit hard by the virus. I think it's it's pretty hard to decide like, hey, I'm going to do more mm. instead of less. Yeah, but I guess also it kind of at mm. least has been getting me really through like the past couple of weeks. Just building on new things instead of just postponing stuff because that's just so depressing. It's kind of nice to work on something new that actually might work yeah this is the time of innovation you really have to try everything and just go for it and do it and like i'm I'm all day (laughs) uh, every day on tiktok and i learn so much stuff and of course there is a lot of dancing but you know i learned so many things on tiktok or i see things that i have never thought of or yeah could imagine that that people do so yeah that's it's um that's also brings a lot of joy yeah. i think that's also something that's yeah. really important um to have currently so okay i hope your offline yeah. event in hong kong will go through in august um, um so um, where can on people find information about that um if you want to be updated or follow the twitter or subscribe to the newsletter um i've been pretty quiet right now because i'm just kind of waiting what's going to happen but as soon as i know more i will put it on to the website or put it on mm. newsletter twitter right. um yeah stuff like that smashing calm quite a lot of stuff happening so we are running feedly's workshop right now on ux patterns the next one we're going to run is for rachel andrew on css and we're planning like a bunch of like other cool ones so i'm quite busy with that right now and that's going to be quite exciting but just right now, like a lot of different workshops on cool topics. That's great. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah, Thank you so it. much for your time, yeah. Kairis. And uh, uh, please um, stay healthy and uh, yeah, will. enjoy, yeah. uh, enjoy the pleasure. landscape of Hong Kong. Thanks so much. Yeah, awesome. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Hi, it's Thomas. New episodes come out on Mondays. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, neomare.com or wherever you listen to the show. Let me know what you think of the show by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or by dropping a note on Twitter. I'm at Thomas Daam, at neomare and on Instagram at neomare show. If you are listening on a smartphone, tap or swipe over the cover art of this podcast and you find some episode notes. Next to that, neomare has a weekly newsletter called Neo Monday with the latest conference news and updates on our digitalized world you can sign up for neo monday at neomarie.com slash subscribe and now we also have a patreon page and you can support the show by going to patreon.com slash thomas thanks for listening